Whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a singer, performer, songwriter, and currently in the cast of Mrs. Doubtfire on Broadway. It's Annalise Scarpacci, everybody. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Good to see you here this evening. And uh, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. And you're here to talk about... Gypsy 2008. You'll be swell. You'll be great. Gonna have the whole world on a plate. Starting here, starting now. Honey, everything's coming. Now, I have to say, it, it didn't occur to me until later this afternoon that you had chosen an album all about child performers uh, and yeah. you yourself having been a child performer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll be interested <laughs> to hear the answer to this question that I'm about to ask you, which is how did Gypsy come into your life? So, Okay. It's kind of strange because I always loved, I mean, I always heard the songs from Gypsy, mm-hmm. just like growing up in like acting school and my parents just loved musicals. So it was always on like every like Broadway review album that we had. Like sure. it was like one of those albums that had like every song from every different show and it was always on there. Um, but I never knew what the story was about. And then I saw right when I was like starting um out as a dancer. I was just a dancer first. Like I did acting classes, but I really was set on being a dancer. But I, I tell everybody this story, but I, I, when I saw Billy Elliot on Broadway, that was like the moment that mm. I had my epiphany that I said, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I can't believe that children can be on a Broadway stage. Like this is insanity. Mm-hmm. And I could do ballet too. Like I didn't know that you could do ballet and do Broadway at the same time. Like I didn't mm. know that that was a thing. Um, so Billy was like this huge eye opener for me. And, but what a lot of people don't know is that after I left the theater that night, I, and I looked in the playbill at intermission and I chose to send my information to a manager that a lot of the girls in the show had had. And, but what a lot of people don't know is that when I left the theater that night and I went to the icon parking garage on 45th street, across the street from the Schubert theater, like in Schubert alley. Uh And I was there with my parents and we saw this girl and she had a jacket on that was from gypsy. So she was in gypsy. And I think she was, she had to be like one of the kids and and, um, she got into her car and she went home. And I just remember thinking like, Oh my God, like she was on Broadway. That is the coolest thing in the whole (laughs) world. Like I just saw this show and I just had this epiphany that I really want to do this. I'm like, there's a girl who's like actually in a show. That's insane. And I was so like, like in awe. And I still don't know who that girl is to this day. Like, I don't know who she is. And I would love to meet her because she really sparked something in me um, that day. Um, 
but yeah, that was my introduction to dip, to Gypsy. I really just fell in love and I went home and I just listened to the whole album. Okay. So that was after that. that it was of, after yeah. that, that mm-hmm. I sort of just like went home and listened to the whole thing. And that's when I, and that's when I really found my, my person who was Patty Lapone. <laughs> <laughs> An inspiration to many, of course. Is Patty oh yeah. Lepone. Yeah. Um, well, that's a pretty sort of, you know, great white way kind of story there that you had. So how old were you when, when that happened? Uh, nine or 10. Okay. Yeah. I and think 10. Was, and it 10 was pretty much old. just a takeoff. I mean, I guess, yeah. Cause Billy Elliot opened on Broadway, I guess the same time that this was running. So this would have been yes. pretty, pretty concurrent. Mm-hmm. And it was, yeah. I mean, obviously this was, this was a revival that everybody saw. I saw it. I think, yeah. you know, every, everybody saw I definitely did Patty not and see Laura it. Benanti. I wouldn't <laughs> think you would at, at that age. No, not at 10. No. How much did you? So we've, we've done, we've done gypsy before on the show and, and, and I usually don't go, I usually do a plot synopsis, but not when I do a show for the second time. And I think pretty much right. everyone knows the story of gypsy, but absolutely. My, my, my question in that vein though, would be how much of the story of gypsy did you know? <laughs> and when did it all start to piece together for you a little bit? Oh, I, you know, everything kind of just like went right over my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was three years old watching Greece and I had no idea what was going on. So, mm-hmm. and like, I was only, I was the kid who watched Greece, but my mom fast forwarded the scenes. So I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> so I just saw the musical numbers. Sure. So I didn't really fully watch Greece until I was about like, you know, of In age high school or something. Yeah. No, I definitely didn't watch Grease until I was like 10 or 11. But I was, yeah. But I mean, that's fine. Compared to Gypsy, Grease is pretty chaste. So I'm not, you know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But I guess (laughs) I didn't watch, then I watched the movie. I Uh watched the movie. I had to be about 12. The Bette Midler movie or the Rosalind? Bette Midler. Bette Midler one. Okay. Bette Midler. I watched the Bette Midler movie when I was 12 years old. And that's the first time that I saw the whole Mm. thing from start to finish. And then, of course, I put Little Lamb in my book Sure. (laughs) because I said, wow, I really would love to play Louise one day. I mean, I definitely am more of the height of June because I oh. am five foot two. Oh, even. okay. All but, right. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think personality wise, I am definitely more of a Louise. Oh, that's interesting. Do you re- so what is it? What do you, what distinction do you draw there that makes you think you're more of a Louise? I'm super, like a lot of people don't know this, but I'm super shy. Mm-hmm. I don't really like to, I'm very like, reserved and I don't like to like go out much and I kind of just like to observe people rather than converse with people if that Mm -hmm. makes sense sure like I'm I'm an introvert but an extrovert but like more of an introvert in certain circumstances Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's kind of like Louise too like Louise is very Mm -hmm. shy and kind of like afraid of her own 
skin because she doesn't know what she wants in her life because she was never shown anything else other than what she was doing, um, other than being a child star or at least being in her sister's shadow. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as time went on, then she finally found this thing that was hers, even though her mother did push her to do it and she didn't want to. And she did. And she finally like found this thing that was hers. So I feel like the same thing with me, like the thing that's mine is theater. Like my family doesn't do it. Like my family, let me rephrase. My family thinks that they do this. But they oh, don't. <laughs> oh. My my family, let me tell you about my family. They Please are do. they are the loudest group of Italians you'll ever meet. Okay. They have been in musicals, they dance, they sing. Um, they are just they're ve- I come from a very musical family. They none of them do this professionally, mm. but they would love to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um they you know, like we had, my parents were um, neighbors. They lived across the street from each other their whole lives. Oh, okay. And they used to sing in the parks when they were little. And my dad would sing and my mom would sing back up for him and they would dance. <laughs> <laughs> so they would, my dad would like sing um, like Tony Orlando songs oh, <laughs> in the park. <laughs> in the park. <laughs> and your mom yeah. would be Dawn and that would just be yeah that, my yeah. mom would be Dawn. there you go my mom and my dad used to play Shirley Temple movies for me all the time and I used to jump around the house and shake my head like I had a whole head of curls mm-hmm. just like she had and then my mom put me in dance classes because she saw that I loved to um I love to dance I love love to dance so ballet was my first love mm-hmm. And um, I was taking ballet for a few years. I was two years old. And then when I was in kindergarten, a couple of the girls in my class at school were enrolled in an acting program. And I remember asking my mom if I could join because I said, I think that this will help me with my dancing. I think Mm. that being in musicals will help five, like as you do. Right. I I think that this will help me with my dancing. So I did. And she put me in the acting classes and I was in The Wizard of Oz was my first musical. I was a munchkin and um, I had a line (laughs) and I don't remember what it was, but um, I had like I remember I was afraid of the dog who played Toto because I was holding a sunflower that I was supposed to give to Dorothy Mm -hmm. and the dog kept like trying to eat the sunflower. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was really scary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, it was really scary. It was a Yorkie that was like. A sure. Right. Adorable. <laughs> yeah. Adorable. But you were dog. little. It's a dog. I was little. You know, I was five. Yeah. I yeah. was five. But um, I got the theater bug just from doing that. But primarily I was just like ballet is my thing. I wanted to audition for School of American Ballet. Like that was my thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then Billy Elliot ruined everything. <laughs> Yeah, that's it how ruined- I describe it too. If I look at your trajectory of your career, I'd say it definitely got ruined. <laughs> it ruined everything. <laughs> it ruined everything. It was all it was so this- clear before. Listen, that. it it saved my life. I mean, I would have. I mean, there's not a of there is no five foot two ballerina who looks like me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, ballet is a tough. I mean, yeah, ballet is a tough. Oh my god! You want to talk about yeah. 
It's tough. It's oh, so man. tough. And I know um, tons of girls who went at my school back at home, the Staten Island Ballet was mm. strictly a ballet school. Mm. It's so funny because I, I went to go see MJ last mm. week mm-hmm. and I remember doing a dance to want to be starting something in my ballet school. And it was right before it was the summer before everything I started happening. I started mm-hmm. with um, my representation and started going out in auditions. Um, so I had never taken any classes other than ballet. And we did a dance to want to be starting something. It was a jazz dance. And it was the first time I had ever taken jazz. And the way that I'm moving, I was so spastic. I was like, mm. you would think like I was moving, but I had no rhythm. And we all looked so serious. Like we were doing this mm. serious ballet piece. Right. <laughs> But it's Michael Jackson. Right. But it makes me laugh. Like they just the way that ballet is so different from other styles. But I I would have never I would never be the dancer I am today if Mm. it wasn't for ballet. Sure. I mean, it teaches so much. It's so much. There's a reason that like, you know, that's that's the the first dancing class. A lot of people take is ballet. There's A lot of it all kind of control and everything definitely comes out of that. So that's, yeah. that's totally understandable. For sure. Uh, you've, you've took something in my mind about uh, Louise and saying you're, you're an introverted, you know, introvert, extrovert or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Before. And it, what, what struck me this time, I mean, obviously Gypsy's a show I've listened to a thousand times. I love the show. I've said before, I think it's, it's the best musical from the post Oklahoma pre-company period. It's the yes. sort of apex of that, like traditional yep. book musical form that Rodgers and Hammerstein kind of kicked off. Right. Um, music theater historians do not at me, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it's, so it, it's a show I love and I think it's, it's virtually perfect. But one thing that I was struck by listening to this recording and remembering from having seen it is what Laura Benanti does with Louise and how much she makes Louise about control. Mm-hmm. about a character who has, like you say, surrendered to her mother and is just really interested in keeping her mother happy. Like, yeah. that's just, that's all she's really concerned with. She's kind of, she's very shy. She's very quiet. She's very nervous. And then yeah. her mother shoves her out on stage. She tells her to take her clothes off and <laughs> sort of, and yeah, <laughs> discovers in that moment of like being thrown in the deep end of the pool, a tremendous amount of control. And sort of is what the scene that happens after that, when she sort of yells at her mom is explaining like they're, you know, I'm in on the joke. They're laughing with me. It's Mm -hmm. all, it's all part of that. And in, I didn't, uh, this is actually an interesting segue to bring up this early, but in listening to your, your album, pathetic little dreamer, um, it now occurs to me that a lot of the songs on there that you've written and performed are about outsider looking in Yes. Situations. And that is such a, I always think the people who don't understand how people who are performers can be introverts, can be withdrawn, but even people you might consider to be true, like bombast extroverts, like Lin-Manuel Miranda have talked about how at parties, he was always the guy like watching people. He wasn't really participating situational, yeah. you know, nervousness, situational uh, introverts. And it, so I guess the, the the question that sort of as I'm circling around here is about when did you sort of become 
when did you be, begin to reconcile that with yourself as being somebody who is, you know, a performer and, and people would think of as extroverted, especially for a child performer can be tough when like after the show's over, like you're great on the stage, great in the rehearsal room. And then after that, I would really very much like to be left alone, please. Like, you know, how did you come to reconcile those, those sort of conflicting situations? Um, it's an, it's an ongoing battle. Mm. Um, you know, I'm an only child. So I very much love to be left alone. I live alone. I, Mm. I tried the roommate thing in college. Um, great girls, but, um, yeah, I just, I just, I can't (laughs) for me. I just, I, yeah, I need my space and I need my, I need my time to breathe. Um, and I love, I I just need like a moment to collect my thoughts. Mm. Um, but I guess I didn't, I was never always like this. I, I think mm. it has a lot to do with the fact that I have Crohn's disease. Um, oh. I was extremely extroverted when I was little. Mm-hmm. And when I was 10 years old, around the time that I started auditioning professionally, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. I actually auditioned for Billy Elliot. And oh, wow. The day, it was my very first audition. I, I didn't know how to tap. Mm. And I went in the room and I had a panic attack in front mm. of the entire creative team. And oh, I didn't wow. know what was wrong with me. And I thought that it was just nerves, but I ran out of the room and um, the panic attack was something having to do with the fact that the, the Crohn's was brewing in my body mm. and Crohn's is very rooted in anxiety and stress. And it fully just, came into fruition in that audition room at like the worst possible time, but they were really great about it. And don't say that having anxiety attacks in audition rooms will ruin everything because they hired me three years later for Matilda. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) So it ended up working out in the long run. Sure. Um, But I think that this whole thing like rooted with my Crohn's disease because um, Crohn's is very stress driven. And I feel like, other people and so much energy causes me so much stress Mm -hmm. and I put so much pressure on myself. It's ridiculous. Um, especially like during Mrs. Doubtfire, like this is the first principal role that I've had, um, at this level, let alone at this young age. Um, it's a huge responsibility and I'm honored. And, um, I put, but I put a lot of pressure on myself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like after a day's work of rehearsal, I need my space. I need to be alone. I need to collect my thoughts. I need to sit in my room and I need to look at my script and I need to work on it. Mm -hmm. And I need to go over my notes and I need to get everything right. This way I can go to bed and then tomorrow I can wake up and do the whole thing over again. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's the way that I've learned how to handle myself because of the way my body is wired now. And the way it has been for the past 12 years, mm-hmm. which is weird to say that it's been that long since I've had this, but sure, yeah, that's kind of it. You know, I mean, it's kind of just something that came to be and it's a, and it's a learning process for sure. Sure. I learned something new about myself every single day. <laughs> so when <laughs> did you start, when did you start writing songs? Oh man. Um, that's something I never thought I was going to do. I always, I always said when I was, um, 
in high school. You will never be a songwriter who does theater. Like that's not who you will be. I always <laughs> Why thought not? That, I always thought that if you sang pop songs that it was like against the law. Oh. And now I always thought that for a theater person it was just against the law, but like that's stupid. <laughs> um now that I think about it. Well, let's hang on. Let's dig into that for a second cuz I'm interested where you think you got that idea from. I don't know. <laughs> I'd love to know myself. But I always thought that like I didn't want to be like everybody else mm-hmm. who was like, you know, the kid thing and then after the kid thing is over and then during the age gap after the kid thing everybody goes and starts singing pop songs and that's something mm. I just never wanted to do. I, I never wanted to okay. be like every other kid who started to sing pop songs after they were done with sure. you know they were done they were grown out of every child role, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like I wanted to go to college for theater and um, I was a lot older than the average um, kid because I was so small. Um, so I was, I was in high school when I was in Matilda. So I was 14 and 15 oh, okay. during Matilda okay. and the other kids were like in middle school. Say, and elementary like, school. Yeah, like so 11, by the time, 12, yeah. by the time that I finished with Matilda, I was 16 when I was on the tour. So I did the tour when I was 16 and I was a junior and I was prepping for my SATs. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other kids were doing fractions and, <laughs> and um, so by the time that I, that was like my last thing as a kid, you mm-hmm. could say, Sure. and I was 16 years old and I didn't have much time, much of the age gap or, a, or I had a smaller gap between the end of the kid thing to let's start the adult thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was only two years when other kids are like 12 years old and grow or 13 years old. And they have that whole five year age gap, six year age gap to do whatever they choose. So for me, I was like straight from Matilda, let's prep for college auditions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have the thought. So in writing, I, Got my first guitar when I was a junior in high school. I had played bass guitar because Guitar Center had opened across the street from Matilda. So I wanted to learn how to play the bass. On So every Saturday in between shows, I would take my bass and I would go across the street to Guitar Center and I would learn. I'd take my lesson and then I'd go back to the show at night. Oh, wow. Hmm. And it was so much fun. And I had a blast. And um, then the year after, so that was my sophomore year. My junior year, I got my first guitar and I wanted to learn how to play, but I didn't want to write. And then my guitar teacher was like, why don't you write something? Just Mm -hmm. try. And my senior year, I was in sociology class and I wasn't paying attention because I was bored. (laughs) And (laughs) I I was bored and I just started writing a song and it was terrible. Mm. It was so bad. Um, It was called Someday. And it's like somewhere burned in a notebook that I won't ever look at ever again. But it was something that sparked something in me. And then I started writing a bunch of songs that were like really, really bad. And, you know, maybe they weren't that bad, but they were like, you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, you got to write your bad songs. You you got to write your bad stuff. Bad songs. And they were like good first songs. They were good first songs. Yeah. And um, then I took a break when I went to college because there was just no time to do anything. And then the pandemic happened and it was the first time that I had nothing to do. I wasn't in school. I wasn't going out on auditions because there was a pandemic and I wasn't working. So I just had my guitar and a notebook and a pen 
And that Mm. was all I had and a TV and how much TV can you watch? Sure. And so I picked it up and then I started writing and I started playing and it just never stopped. And then 35 songs later, Mm -hmm. I picked seven and then it became pathetic little dreamer. Sure. Which is really, you know, like you said, when I first became aware of that, you had this album through the Broadway records, I assumed it was a collection of, of Broadway songs because that's what, that's what you do. Yeah. Uh, of course it isn't. It is. Then when I was like, <laughs> Oh, she wrote and performed these. That's different and interesting. Uh, I, I had never thought about that pop transition thing, but I, I see it now like that you've pointed it out. I'm kind of, like, Oh yeah. yeah, that is something that a lot of people do, but I don't think a lot of people write their own stuff. So no. that's, it's a totally different. And, you know, if you're not aware of the work of, of Ellery Ward, I would, uh, yes, yeah, I was going to say, goodness, like, I would encourage yes, I you am. to, to, to reach out to her. Uh, cause she's amazing, but oh my gosh, yes, it is. It's funny that you, you have sort of a foot in both worlds, which seems to be something that I asked you why you thought that, because I feel like it's something that a lot of kids in theater programs are taught that you yeah. have to be in this and not that that's not what we do. We do this thing and this thing is better and more important or whatever, like, you know, or just different. And you don't, don't mix it up. That thing's untrained, you know, this is more trained and they, you know, when of course they have more things in common than they don't. So it's kind of silly to teach kids. that. Way. Oh yeah. Um, I think what's great about, I go to pace. Uh, well, mm-hmm. I went to Pace. I actually just graduated a couple weeks oh, ago. Congratulations. But thank you. Um, but my school was great with the fact that they encouraged us to sing pop songs. They wanted mm. us to explore outside of the box and choose things that were out of the box. Uh, my teachers were great about that. And um, I always say, I was talking to my voice teacher from school, Chris York, and um, mm. he said, when you were a freshman, you would never want to touch a pop song. You sang them but you never loved them as much. Mm. He was like, you only wanted to sing Sarah Bareilles and that was it. And um, which, I mean, still, I only want to see Sarah Bareilles, but um, I also would love to sing like Katy Perry. If that Mm -hmm. came to be, you know, like I would be interested in doing tons of pop songs, indie songs, um, R and B. Like I, would love to explore all kinds of styles and I never would have wanted to done to do that when I was a freshman. No way. Mm -hmm. I was just always like, this is the path and this is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. But you can't plan your life out. Sure. But it is, I do see that you, I think probably because you were a little bit older and also because I think you were fortunate to start with Shirley Temple who had, but like, I mean, had a tremendous career, but then also didn't, you know, and then had mm-hmm. a whole second life, obviously after yes. a, a tremendously fascinating second life uh, in the, in the, in the majority of, you know, her, her life, her adulthood, which is the majority yeah. of your life. Um, she, so you, it, it, I don't know if consciously or unconsciously, you sort of had this vision of what, like, like the apex of child stardom, you know, Shirley Temple. And that model really hasn't changed that once you get to be a certain age, you can try to transition and you probably won't make it Mm -hmm. uh, because I think we can count on one hand, the number of people who have gone from child star to adult star 
And it usually came with a significant break in the middle, like Jodie Foster yes. or Natalie Portman, who like they consciously like walked away and then came back. Yeah. And even harder for women than it is for men, I think, especially too. So hundred percent. All that on top of it. And I, I think it's interesting that you were some like a like you say, you're only a couple of years older, but that's a huge difference when you're that age. Yes. That you seem to have a little more sight on I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. So if I don't want to be that, I have to do things to guide myself in this direction, which, mm-hmm. as you say, can be very pressuring on yourself. Yeah. It doesn't play because I, I was going to say, connecting it to Gypsy, it doesn't sound like you had a stage mom. It sounds like you were your own stage mom a little. Oh, bit no, my extent. mom is like <laughs> my mom is my mom is in fashion. Like she, this is mm. not her thing. Like mm-hmm. she, she's the best and she will support me every step of the way. My, my dad too, like the two of them are just the greatest human beings on the planet. And I owe them my entire life. Um, quite literally, yeah. but quite literally, um, but they, you know, they always said to me, when you're done, you call the shots. If you mm. want to be done, we're not forcing you to do this. You are you are the one that's doing this. You wanted to do this and we supported you. This is your decision. If you're too tired, if you want to take a break, that's on you. That's mm. your decision. We're not going to tell you that you need to take a break. We're not going to tell you, you're, we're not going to force you to keep going if you don't want to. So I never stopped because obviously I never wanted to. Um, but, you know, we have our check-in moments where I call them up crying Mm -hmm. over something or crying over some school assignment that, you know, that happens or an audition that I didn't get, or, you know, just the upset, the circles of emotions that go with this business. And my parents are so supportive. And they said, they say to me, you know, they tell me like it is, they're like, well, did you feel like you did a good job? Or did you feel like, you know, what did you feel? What Mm -hmm. do you feel? Because this is you, this is your career. This is not mine. This mm. is yours. Um, so that's one thing that they've always been great about. Like they, this is, this is my journey. This is nothing to do with them. I mean, they're just here for the ride mm-hmm. and they love it. <laughs> they Good. certainly love, they certainly love it. Um, but, but I'll never forget the second I turned eight, uh, 16 and I was like going up to audition rooms by myself. My mom was like, I'm so glad I don't have to park the car and come up with you anymore. <laughs> She was like, I'm so glad I don't have to sit there and and watch. She was like, that was the most nerve wracking thing ever. Just like, I hated it too. Like I, when I got older and I would walk in, because obviously it was older, but I was going in for younger roles. So a lot of kids would still be there with their moms. And I would be like, I was like, you know, if only we had masks back then, like maybe I could put my mask on. Nobody would recognize me. (laughs) Now I feel like you can like avoid a lot of people with those masks. Yeah, Um, you can. But, you know, yeah. back then, it would be, you know, like sometimes before an audition, like you don't want to have a conversation with somebody and you're just sitting there and someone's mom is just trying to talk to you and ask you how you're doing. And I'm like, I just really want to focus on my things. Right. <laughs> well, there is also this thing in show business of being on all the time. Yes. Because 100%. you never know. You know, there's those you never know who you're talking to. You never know where you are. Like, do you have your elevator yep. pitch? Do you have your thing to be ready? And it's like, yep. yes, I do. But sometimes I just need to ride an elevator. Like, sometimes I just need to quiet. Not. Yeah. And I <laughs> that's think that's where the introvert comes in, because well, it's like I'm here and I'm prepared. Um, and a lot of times it's like people will try and talk to you and you're like, 
Right. Mm, I just need a minute. I just sure. need a minute. Thank sure. you. I just need a minute. <laughs> Which at least I think at an audition you can say and people will be like, oh, okay, I get it. Because yeah. nobody likes auditioning. So it's not, right. you know, everybody gets <laughs> that it's stressful. So if you say, yeah. I need to stop, they can be like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to. Then they'll bug you afterwards, obviously. Yeah, exactly. They'll, yeah, it never stops. But it is this sort of like th- th- this relentless sense to it, obviously. And I think one of the reasons it's that a lot of people in, in the business are having trouble, especially in the pandemic, aside from the complete loss of, of financial stability and income and all those other mm-hmm. terrible things is the fact that it does. I think the, the whole, a lot of people I talk to, even not in the entertainment industry feel like, like they're missing something, you know what I mean? Like, like it's stop, like, you know, I'm not, I can't work. I can't do a thing. It's like, I'm missing something. And I, my reaction to that is always, you're really not because nobody's working like nothing's like now or we're rolling back in things are happening but before it's like who are you no one's losing time like we're all losing time but we're not losing like a place the race has completely stopped mm-hmm. it so, was not it know. was nothing i mean yeah i'll never forget because we we just started. where were you with doubtfire when that happened we were we had we're three days into previews wow it was the morning of our fourth preview. And that's what we kept saying. Like when we were coming back, like as long as we get to the fourth preview, we're good. <laughs> um, <laughs> little did we know here I we are. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were third, three previews in and I was so clueless. I had no idea that there was a virus. I mean, I did because my mom kept calling me and telling me to wash my hands, but I wasn't, I was so <laughs> focused on my own. I was sure. so focused on Dowfire and the changes that were going on and, mm-hmm. you know, line changes and little mini words that were driving me nuts and things and big blocking changes that I just was not focused on. I never thought that a virus could just shut down our industry, our show, mm-hmm. let alone the whole world. Sure. Um, and then, you know, it, it was a lot for me when my mom came in and was like, okay, pack your bags. We're, I'm taking you home when yeah. I just moved into my very first apartment. Um, I was just starting my 20s. Like, yeah. it was a big step for me. And I was finally doing this thing that I always wanted to do. Like, I finally broke my favorite, my thing that I always, like, my huge accomplishment that I feel for myself was I always wanted to break the mold of the child actor Mm -hmm. because it takes a lot. Like you were saying before, like there's always that age gap. And I feel like for me, I didn't think that it was going to happen ever, let alone this soon. Um, I was 19 when I got the role Mm -hmm. Um, and now I'm 22 and that's scary (laughs) Um, because now I'm like, in my twenties. And that's sure. weird. Um, Cause I feel like I, <laughs> I blinked and I'm 22 yeah. and I was like two minutes ago, I was 13 years old in a Christmas story, like mm-hmm. screaming that I was on Broadway. <laughs> like, it's so strange. Um, but I always wanted to break that mold of being the child actor. And I felt like I finally did that. And then this pandemic Mm-hmm. And then I felt like, okay, now I'm back in my parents' house and I love being at my parents' house, but now I'm here and my apartment is lonely and the city is dead and, you know, there's no life. So all I had was my music and mm-hmm. thank God I did because I probably would have driven myself crazy, even more crazy than I already am. But um, yeah, it was, it was a lot. 
And it took a lot of, a lot out of me. And when we mm-hmm. got back to rehearsal, um, it was this thing where we were, we had to address the elephant in the room that was, we had just experienced this big loss of life. Not only the lives that we lost because we had lost um, our cast member, Doreen Montalvo, mm. but we were grieving our own lives that were lost that we're now 18 months later. And here we are back trying to continue what we started. And we were only in our third preview and we came back to like a completely different show. Mm. It was crazy. Um, Like new songs. um, Some of the blocking was different. And the way that it has changed since Seattle, like the people who have seen the show in Seattle, mm-hmm. like I, I want them to come to, to New York because mm-hmm. it's crazy. The changes, like a couple of people who have been to um, both Seattle and Broadway, like the, it's like two completely different shows. Mm. This show is very rare um, in terms of our team as a whole from our crew to our cast, to our wardrobe department, to our producers, to our writers, to our director and choreographer, everyone who was involved with the show. Um, It's very, very rare. If I called any of them right now and said that I needed them, they would be right here at my door. Mm. Um, You don't get that with every show that you're in. And I am fortunate to have had that with the three productions that I've been in, but Mrs. Doubtfire is very different. Maybe it's because I'm an adult, but um, it's very different. And also because we've gone through this thing that is just unprecedented. Um, But I feel that we as a show and as a company are very, very lucky to have a producer who um, wants our show to last. I mean, you know, they could very easily say, you know what, it's enough throwing the towel, like it's over. But, you know, our show, I feel not because I'm partial, but I feel like the story needs to be told. And I feel that our show is going to, I mean, audiences leave our show every night and they're so happy. You know, I mean, this is one of it's, it's a family show. It's about family and it's about what we would do for the people that we love. And it's about that there are all different kinds of families, but as long as there is love, everything is going to be okay. And especially during this time, and especially during like everything that this whole world has been through, like, this is so important and it's so much fun and everybody laughs and everybody cries. And then you, you laugh until you cry. Um, it's just a lot and it's so much fun and we're all having a blast. And I feel like our producers really believe that this show is going to change lives and make people really, really happy. So we look forward to continuing that journey in March. Yeah. And I, I do think it's a good, it's a good decision. It, it, it's a hard decision, but a good one to, yeah, to sort of go, sure. well, we're going to, we're going to keep going. And yeah, this is the safest, the safest way to do that, which is not always the most profitable or the easiest thing is the safest, right. the safe decision to to make. So, yeah, I mean, I do sympathize with all of you guys and think it's, it's terrible. You got to go through it, but it is, I think ultimately the right thing to do, which is sort of oddly mirroring what we've been talking about in terms of your career (laughs) trying to do, but it is, it's really, it's such a funny, you know, thing that 
and and I, I can hear you starting to experience it. I think around the same time that I started to experience it, where, where time starts to condense and you, you're starting to be able to say things like, you know, I started on Broadway eight years ago or I started, you know, then you sort of go, God, you know, like, what does that even, what does that what mean? What is that? <laughs> well, yeah. And, you know, like my oldest son's about to turn 12 and that's a whole thing for me, but yeah. it is the, 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 the thing that hopefully comes with that is the knowledge that, you know, it is a marathon, not a sprint mm-hmm. and you have to let things sort of develop at the healthiest pace, not the immediate pace. You know, you can go for the short-term gain right? or you can kind of wait it out. And it's actually hilariously, oh, watch me do this. Um, one thing I l- noticed, again, listening to Gypsy this time, which is that the, the, the kind of funny um, problem that, that Mama Rose has, because... One thing I noticed this time, which is good about this album specifically, because it has all the extra, you know, playoffs and little mm-hmm. songs and moments in it. Right. Um, and then the deleted songs, which are also hilarious for their own mm-hmm. reason. But the listening to the full version of Madame Rose's Tori Adorables, which <laughs> is not on the original Broadway cast. So it's not an album that I hear a lot where you hear them come out and they do this opening and you're like, Oh, they got a different song and that's all fun. And then they immediately launch back into this to the same song they've been singing this whole time since baby June and her newsboys. Yeah. And it really made me think that what's so funny about Mama Rose is that she has no foresight at all at any point. She's constantly living in the moment, which we are always sort of told is a good thing. There's like, you know, she was like, live in the moment, be now and all that. And there's a difference, I think, that I've discovered as as I've gotten older between being present, which I think is what that really means, Mm -hmm. and only thinking about today, which is a totally counterproductive thing to do because right. it costs her every single relationship she has 100%. is the fact that she only reacts in the moment. And if there is right. a lesson to the show, I think that's one of them is that you can't live your life. For sure. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, you have to, I mean, everything, I always think about how I handle things in life and by far, do I? I never handle everything. I don't handle everything perfectly. Sure, nobody of course ever not. does. No one does. Yeah, and um, nobody ever does. And I think about like I had. A, there was like a situation that I had handled poorly, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, it's mm-hmm. like you have to think about it. My brain, my subconscious, is like traumatized from the fact that. of the first shutdown sure and you know i don't let my brain i didn't let my brain like fully like digest and grasp what was going on Mm -hmm. for this nine week situation and um i you know i panicked and i had a thing where i just handled something so so poorly and um I mean, you know, you can't control your emotions and when they get too far, 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, plus Crohn's disease, plus anxiety, plus all mm-hmm. these other factors um, that, you know, are against me and my emotions at the moment. But, you know, they're a part of me. They're not against me, but they are a part of me. Mm-hmm. And like to, they like to challenge me. There you go. And, um, you know, it's it's a lot like we can't just. You know, you have to think about things and you have to think about the people in your life. And, and you also have to think about yourself, but you also have to think about like everything around you. And Mama Rose, like, I feel like everything she was doing, like she tried to convince herself that it was for the other person, but she never asked the other person for their opinion. Sure. And that was what's, that's what's so interesting about her character. Like she just, everything she did, like she did it because she was like, I loved you and I did this for you. But like, did you? Right. Did you really like I made you, I made you. Right. It's no, that. It, the yeah. emphasis is I made you, not right. I made you, I made you. Yeah. And you never really find what, what's so fascinating. I think one of the reasons this show keeps coming back, people keep wanting to do it. People keep wanting to see it is that there isn't, you know, her big breakdown, her big song, her big moment where she finally reveals herself does not contain her origin story. It doesn't contain her reason for being this way that we never yeah. we are never given a clear, yeah. which is very rare for the 50s that we don't have a like the mo- like an inciting incident right. that sets her off like that. She yeah. was a star and now she's trying to recapture that. It's none of that. This is just who she is and this is what she does. Yeah. And Arthur Lawrence never gives us a reason. And it's great because it doesn't matter what the reason is. It really doesn't. I also feel like it could be, you know, I think it's the point that this was a real person. Yes. And we never know why people are the way that they are. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like if you're looking at the real Mama Rose, I mean, you know, I could see her walking down the street. You don't know who she is. You don't know what yeah. her story is. Right. Um, but it's about a lot of people. Like where the theater, in the, when we go see a show, when we go see a, a television show, or we go see a movie, we're looking at an hourglass into someone's life. And this is like a real person's life. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it may or may not all be true, you know, it's like this was a real person and this was based on true events. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that was his way. That's why he's so genius. Yeah. They're he's all re- so genius. I mean, it's just genius. I just yeah, it, it. it really is. I mean, it's an incre- <laughs> it is an incredible show. And it's a show that doesn't, you know, that it, it lasts without significant rewrites, without any kind yeah. of change. It just works. It, it, it works in a kind of timeless way. It, yeah. It just is. It's so great. And I want to see it live. Like, I have just, you never seen it? No, I've seen it like community theaters and regional theaters, mm-hmm. but I've never seen like, I would love, oh, I could just travel back in time to 2008. Mm. I, I would love to have love seen to see it. Know. It was something to see. It was, it was a really good. I've, but... I've heard it. And I actually, sure. <laughs> my junior year of college. So last year, like during the zoom school era, mm-hmm. I was um, my final for, my junior year acting class was to lip sync to an iconic performance. (laughs) So I did a performance. Um, I was, you could see it on my Instagram. I 
was lip syncing to Patty's performance of Rose's turn. Sure. But I included the part where she yelled at the photographer and said, (laughs) picture. And so and oh then my gosh. I did that. I started the song. I did the whole monologue into the song, t- yelled at the person to the stop taking pictures. Sure. The imaginary photographer. And then I went back and restarted the song and did the whole thing start oh, to finish. That's funny. <laughs> like she would have done. Oh, in real what a life. good she idea. Did in real life. But she did. And yeah. She did do it in real life. And um, oh, I would have just, I just saw company last week. Oh, and okay. She's just, I just love her. Like she's just, I just, I, she's just everything that I've always wanted to be. Like, she's just so unapologetically herself. Mm-hmm. And that is something I admire so much about her. And, and she puts herself into every role that she plays. Um, and she just is just so confident. And I feel like I, like, as I grew up, I feel like I'm, gaining more of that mm-hmm. but i feel like she's just she's so awesome like i'd love <laughs> to meet her i just want to have a conversation with her one day sure just to like chat about life i feel like we'd get along yeah i think you'd be i think you would i think that's I think absolutely we'd be friends. true i think you'd be friends <laughs> i think you got it i think you got you can hang with her uh <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Pathetic Little Dreamer in a little more detail. Yay! What, um, so how did this, obviously you, you're you writing and you're writing and you're writing and you're writing, but yes. how did the decision come about to go, I want to, you know, lay these down and how many and all that. How did it kind of kick off? I was talking to my voice coach, Michael Moritz, who is my producer on the album. Mm, okay. And I was talking to him and I was like, well, I have these songs and I played them for him. And he mm-hmm. was like, well, do you want to do you want to do something with them? It's <laughs> like, I don't know. Do I? <laughs> I was like, do I want to do something? You with tell them? me. I, do I want to do? Yeah, I right. thought about it. I was like, I don't know. Are they any good? <laughs> right. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, but I guess it's more of the fact that like, I was afraid to release these songs. Like the week before this album came out, um, I was petrified. Because really? they're they're so personal and like mm. they are very personal. They're very and at least personal. you really like I was so then I mean in the typical sort of way I'm like okay what's well, a broad song of Broadway show to it? oh it's not it's original songs okay great I wonder what these songs are going to be about and from the jump you really just like you don't yeah. you don't let yourself off the hook which is a yeah. really 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 interesting. <laughs> situation to be in as a listener like i mean see i mean obviously tinged for me because i knew i was going to be speaking with you but it is like there's you know especially in something like i don't write love songs where you really like i think tell some stories that are incredibly relatable it was a dark and cold december night i fell way too easy you're standing in the light i'm losing my mind then you smile right at me He's tall, he's handsome, and he plays guitar. I guess that is just my type. Gets off the stage and walks right up to my friend, then takes her home for the night.
roast myself. You do. <laughs> That's a really good way to put it, actually. Because it does, this never has that feeling of, of like, oh, isn't my pain precious? It's just like, this is, just, yeah, I did some dumb stuff once. This is it. Like, <laughs> and it's funny, it. you know, but it's fun and it's funny and it has a great sense of humor about it, which is just so, such a relief because I really, as you say, like, I need to laugh right now. <laughs> it was yeah. nice to laugh with this, with a lot Thank of these songs. Thank you. I mean, the, the three that were, um, they're all really true stories, but like the end of the day is a true story. Mm. Um, end of the day was the first song that I wrote for the album. And it was the one that like kind of sparked the, mm-hmm. Hey, I can write again. That's cool. Um, and then my little voice was the second. And that was oh, okay. like the one where I was like, Hmm, maybe, maybe I can do this again. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Maybe I'm getting the hang of it. And that was the one where I got emotional writing that because it was, I was just beating myself up because I felt like all I had was the theater and what I do. And I didn't have that because we had, you know, like the amount of times by that point that I was just singing to my computer screen, I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. And we were only like two months in Mm. and I just couldn't sing to my window or my computer anymore. It was just doing nothing for me. And I don't wish that upon anybody. How did I get here? No, I'm not the only one who's crying. Searching for something that I lost not long ago. Crawling through spaces, the dangerous places I've been so many times. Feel like there's nothing left to do. But I, I've got mountains to climb It's a part of me that tears me down And rips me up inside It's that little voice that comes and goes I just want to run and hide What is your writing process? Do you write every day or do you decide like today I'm going to write a song or is it just sort of like, you know, I've got an idea for a song. Let me fiddle around on the guitar. Like what's your. It sort of just happens. Um, Mm. Like pandemic songwriting was different from like life songwriting. Sure. Now that life is more, um, more normal than it was. Mm -hmm. Um, But pandemic songwriting, I was just playing guitar every day and just playing around. Mm -hmm. Um, Now songwriting is more. If I get an idea, I'll write it down mm-hmm. or I'll be bored and I'll just be playing the guitar. And if something comes in my head, it does. And then something doesn't, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like right now, like there are songs that I started, like I'll, I'll like get a tune in my head and I'll hum it and then I'll record it on my phone mm-hmm. and I will um, return to it at a later date. Like one thing I, I went through my voice memos and I found something from like, last november and i remembered it i was like oh Mm. that was interesting and then i wrote a song about it i wrote it last week Mm. yeah so a a tune that was in my head that i completely forgot about for a year sure and now it's a song (laughs) (laughs) hard crashing back into gypsy for one more second i have to ask what is your favorite song in gypsy rose's turn for sure yeah 
Yeah. I mean, it's one of the best songs in it's musical theater the history, best. so why not? Yeah, like, it's why not. Annalise, thank you so much. This was so much fun to, to chat with me. you. Uh, how can people keep up with all the all the myriad things you're doing? I'm on Instagram. It's just my name, Annalise with one N, Scarpacci with one C in the beginning, one C in the end. Um, and I'm on Facebook and the TikTok and the Twitter. <laughs> And I also have a website if you want to keep updated there as well. And so uh, Miss Doubtfire starts up again in March. Yes. Um, and March 15th and uh, mm-hmm. at the Sondheim. And um, I wish you continuing success with that, that you guys have sort of paused on for a little bit. Thank pause you. on the success and it'll pick it up again in March and it'll, it'll all be great. Um, and it was so nice. I mean, you, you've really got such a, a great view from such a young age and it's so great to talk to you and thank i you. hope that you have uh, continued success in everything you do because you do you're just you're really smart and you're having a good time so keep it thank up. thank you so much here she is boys here she is world here's The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. Please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. It's the easiest way to help the podcast grow. If you like movie musicals, then you have to check out patreon.com slash originalcastpod to learn about our bonus podcast, The Original Cast, at the movies. You can follow The Original Cast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at originalcastpod. Special thanks to our social media manager, Bethany Zalecki. Hey, Bethany! My thanks to Annalise Scarpacci for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn. And I can't. I have rehearsal. Well, someone tell me.